Welcome, everybody, to the January 17th edition of Cascadian Views. It is Martin Luther King Day Monday. Got Dan and Chris with me here today. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing okay. We've had some, um, some deaths to talk about. Not, not of the people variety, but of the institutional variety. We, uh, <laughs> lost our... Last best attempt at filibuster reform. Cinema uh, came out against it. Once it was clear it was dead anyway, then Manchin also came out against it. Uh, there is some scuttlebutt in the reports that they wouldn't have been the only ones against it and that Democrats don't have as many votes on filibuster reform as they say they do. Yeah. Um, I don't know how true that is, but that is kind of the the line behind the line that's going around with a lot of um, DC reporters on Twitter and the like. Yeah, well, I think it's generally true that if we weren't so busy with uh, Mansion and Cinema being a problem, then Tester would be a problem. <laughs> he hasn't had that so far because they're effectively blocking anything he might object to. Yeah. So that kills our, like I said, last best attempt at voting rights, because that's going to be dependent on filibuster reform, uh, which means nothing's changing. Again. No, nothing's passing, period. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. It is yet another L for us where we have grandiose plans and, at the end of the day, accomplish precisely nothing. It's not even like a watered-down version that could get everybody on board. It's, it's nothing. Not, not even, you know, a talking filibuster, not a reduced number, not, no change. No change at all. Although there was talk, you know, as recently as yesterday, that um, Schumer might bring the talking filibuster up to a vote just to force them to get on the record. Oh, God. <sighs> okay. <laughs> See... <laughs> the time to do all this, it's at the start of a session, right? It's when the rules are, are introduced, because there are no rules at that point. There is no yeah. filibuster until we adopt the rules for the session. So if you just roll that into the rules for for that session of the Senate, at, you know, once every two years you get a chance to do that, then it's just a straight up or down vote. Like, when you're doing in the middle here, it gets... It's complicated. Everybody has time to posture and, and all that, where the rules vote is just something you have to do at the start of the session. I, uh, yeah. This just looks like they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't make anybody happy. Everybody hates this shit. It, it, it is by far the most demoralizing uh, thing that has happened since Election Day, is the fact that we have allowed, you know, the filibuster isn't like a tenet of American democracy. It came from when the the U.S. Parliament or U.S. Congress just adopted a book of parliamentary order because they needed some fucking rules, and we were making this shit up as we went. It mm-hmm. it, it is not in the Constitution. It is not any sort of foundational document to America. I, I think it literally came from Robert's Rules of Orders or whatever the 1800s equivalent was if that hadn't been published yet. It's just from a book that we had laying around. Right, right. And just basically historically, it was something that uh, the (laughs) 
not to put too fine a point on it, the segregationist states could lean on to mm-hmm. avoid any major change. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. It really sucks. Sinema uh, has pretty much guaranteed a primary challenge. Uh, in fact, the headlines of the day for Politico for a couple days have just been all about the shit Sinema's stirring up at home. Um, yeah. I, I guess the state Democratic Party is about ready to cut her loose. So, yeah, fun times going on down there. Party put out a statement saying that her behavior was extremely disappointing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've already gotten this now. I mean, this is kind of the one thing that's come out of it is that is she's kind of burned her last bridge. I mean, anything else that we do is just going to, you know, I don't know, it's just going to demoralize people further. I don't know why they're still, unless they can get some kind of commitment, I don't know why they're going to bother. Yeah, well, and the person most likely to run against her actually is a representative and yeah. made a speech a day or two ago calling her out by name, so... Yeah, yeah, he's clearly queued up. He's he's gonna do it, uh, and you know, good for him. You know, you know, get 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 uh, get Kelly reelected first, but by all means, then by all get mm-hmm. on board with uh, Gallego to get her out of there because you know she sucks. I I have yeah. been incredibly impressed with uh, with Spaceman. I, I really mm-hmm. have. I think he's been kind of a model senator in a purple state. Uh, he, he hasn't ruined anything. He's done what he needs to do for for Arizona, but he's also been a team player. He is amazing. Kelly has been a model senator. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know he's a once-in-a-lifetime candidate. You don't get, you know, a fucking astronaut to parachute in just any time you want. Yeah. I mean, that that's the thing, though. He's got to get reelected first. Otherwise, it's proof of concept for all of cinema's bullshit. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of curious why we haven't run Grijalva in, in Arizona before. Oh, because he's really, really left wing. <laughs> well, yeah, but he's also really, really popular in Arizona. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, he, he's somebody the Hispanic community really, really gets behind. His district is not the most liberal thing in the world and he he takes it with like two thirds of the vote yeah I mean before before cinema got elected we were basically running republicans for mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, when we ran against I think McCain before I think the candidate we actually ran was literally a republican against him <laughs> who switched parties so yeah, we were running Republicans for statewide office to try and get elected there. So, I mean, we were trying to crack a red state, and I think maybe we're finally getting it purple, and that's why you know we're we're finally turning the tables there. So maybe we can get some better better senators than Cinema, or you know, in the future. But yeah, it's been. It's been a long, hard road. You know, it's kind of like in Virginia, how we got Jim Webb at first, and then we got Tim Kaine. <laughs> a little bit bad. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see here. I, I guess... I guess we should keep up the, the look at the 
national political landscape because there's been some some court news in a couple cases. Um, Pennsylvania, where we're thinking we kind of got screwed a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. There was some preemptive legal challenges before the maps were even drawn by Mark Elias, a, a Democratic kind of power lawyer who's behind a lot of the redistricting reform that we've been trying to do. Uh, and it turns out Pennsylvania drew some pretty good maps. But because of this challenge, there's going to be a lot of power placed in the hands of a very conservative uh, circuit court judge in Pennsylvania to review these maps that wouldn't have necessarily needed to happen if these preemptive court challenges before anything was drawn up hadn't been filed. The Pennsylvania State Supreme Court declined to take it up uh, as their own case, deciding to let the circuit court deal with it first, which is what we had been trying to avoid in some last-minute maneuvering, and the Supreme Court, the, the state Supreme Court, just wasn't really wanting to hear it. They'll hmm. they'll let the super conservative guy hear it first and then deal with the aftermath of that if they need to instead of taking it up directly. Yeah, interesting. Because, yeah, I mean, the status quo there, at least, was, yeah, a map that had been drawn by the state Supreme Court, basically, because they, you know, I think they've been dinged, basically, for, you know, partisan gerrymandering. And so the state Supreme Court stepped in and had drawn their map pre, I think, 2018. And that's how we ended up netting a bunch of seats there. So, huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's interesting situation to yeah in fact it uh the judge who's going to be hearing this uh first after the state supreme court in a what to the state democratic party was a surprising ruling uh was one of the only judges that actually granted trump any sort of relief on his uh stolen election suits that he was filing everywhere yay yeah so the uh the state Supreme Court had set a January 24th deadline uh, for them to kind of hash out some some sort of election plan with election officials. Uh, and if it doesn't come by then, the courts are going to step in and just assert certain things in the process. Um, and the Supreme Court has said that they're going to leave that to the circuit court now in their ruling, which places a lot of of power in terms of how these maps are going to come out, exactly how voting is going to work, in the hands of one of the most conservative judges in the country. So, fun times. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah. So, uh, we also have some things going on in Ohio, I see. Yeah, the uh, state Supreme Court intervened there again and uh, overturned. This was, uh, again, one of the states where... uh, in the last decade, uh, they had passed an anti-gerrymandering ballot measure that was supposed to generate some fairer maps. Um, it had a big loophole that the uh, legislature was able to drive a truck through, basically, that let them draw, uh, I mean, let them draw maps for a limited period of time without the. Uh, I guess, without the uh, consent of the other party and basically draw a partisan map and just go right ahead with it. And they did, and they uh, drew out, uh, I think, two of the remaining Democratic districts in Ohio. So now a state that is 
it, it's definitely red. It's no longer a it's no longer a uh, state that I think would anyone would say is close or, or you know a battleground state like it was in the early two thousands. Probably a 55 45 state that's the exact but, number i was going to put on it yeah yeah but it's a 55 45 state but uh it's going to have like 13 <laughs> republican districts and maybe two or one something like that democratic districts just crazy uh so the state supreme court take, took this up and invalidated the map told them that this was not going to be an acceptable uh, acceptable drawing of a map that they could have and uh, told them to go back to the drawing board. Uh, they couldn't just tweak it, that it had to be done completely from scratch. And they had an extremely limited period of time to do so. I think they've got you know, just a matter of days before it's going to have to be turned over to a bipartisan commission to do the whole thing. So... Uh, I think the estimates right now is that this is going to net Democrats two to three seats from where it would have been. That's actually a pretty good swing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad we're on the same topic we were when I got cut off. Yeah, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. You kind of disappeared and came back on. But yeah, I think they'd axed axed Tim Ryan's seat... uh, I think there was at least one more that they had uh, cut out. So yeah, it was looking pretty bad. But now they're that now it's uh, coming back around. I know I made a lot of fun of him during the primary, but I think Tim Ryan is actually a really solid member of Congress. And just something about his attitude screams Midwest. Like it's not scary. He's the guy I think can hold the seat for quite a while, even if it's you know. Not super blue. Well, now he's you know he's running for Senate, which is, yeah, he's a great Senate candidate. He's just going to lose because yeah, a, yeah, a demo, It's a, a midterm in a Democratic administration, so he's going to lose to Josh Mandel by like ten points, and yeah, it's going to be God. terrible. But <laughs> it'll be such a waste because I think he's actually kind of perfect for the region. Uh, did you have anything to add about Ohio, Chris? Um, <laughs> well, I assume you you sounded like you covered most of it. Yep. <laughs> well, I had vanished. Sorry, we're in the uh, middle of a storm here, and there was a power blip for a second. I totally understand. It happened to us a couple of weeks ago here in Portland. Yeah. The only other thing uh, that I could think of is that... Um, there's a similar situation to Pennsylvania on the horizon, or at least status quo to now situation on the horizon in Penn, uh, North Carolina, uh, where the uh, courts had redrawn the maps uh, pre-2018, and uh, the legislature has gone and drawn a horrific Republican gerrymander, and uh the courts are now looking at it again. I'm not sure if it's going to be addressed in time for the 2022 election, but I think there is a possibility it will be because that is one of the places where Republicans have, you know, squeezed a whole bunch of seats this time, you know, you know, out of the, you know, in time for the 2022 elections. 
So that's one thing to watch, you know, because that's one place where they are likely to make some significant gains due to redistricting if, you know, the courts don't intervene. North Carolina currently has a Democratic governor and a Democratic majority Supreme Court, so I, I hope that's a backstop against that. Well, the governor is actually completely cut out of the process yeah. there. Okay. Well, that was that's a good few news. years ago when, uh, yeah. when the Democrat first became governor. That was one of the things that the state legislature stripped from the governor. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of those uh, big power grab things where, yeah, when he got elected, they just <laughs> took all of his powers away because <laughs> they could do that. <laughs> there um, was a, a blip of good congressional news in New York, too, although it's for a horrifying reason, which is um, John Katko has announced that he's not running again. Right, right. And he was one of the ones who had um, – voted for impeachment, so Trump pretty much said, I will kill you. And <laughs> he's decided he doesn't want to deal with that. But it's it's a moderately Democrat leaning district. He you know, he barely won his last campaign. Yeah. So it's definitely a pickup opportunity there. And and could be even more so because uh yeah, the New York legislature is about to, yeah, just drastically gerrymander the hell out of the state. So yeah. Yeah, that's the uh, – what would you even call that? I was I was thinking of the retaliation strategy, but – Yeah, I mean that's really what it yeah, is. Yeah, just uh, if you're going to gerrymander, okay, we're going to do it too. That's exactly it because we can't pass any kind of anti-gerrymandering legislation, so we're going to gerrymander New York, uh, Illinois – Oregon. I mean, the few states where we can, we're, we're doing it now. New York's impressive because it's so fucking hard to gerrymander. I, I mean, if you didn't have New York City, that is one of the reddest of the red states in America. I mean, you have a massive liberal voting block in the south and then a sea of Alabama up north, basically. Yeah. I think, I think the plan is they're going to chop it down to, like, maybe... We're going to cut it down to maybe three, maybe four Republican districts out of the whole state. So, yeah, it should be interesting to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very impressed with what New York's been doing. That's been a state party that has really had its shit together. Well, finally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. After years of dysfunction and hijacking of the legislature. Yeah. yeah. After the Democrats who were actually Republicans. Were <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Chris, uh, I hear uh, sedition has made it back into the lexicon. Why don't you tell us about that? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, uh, Merrick Garland made his speech on the anniversary of 1-6 basically saying that, you know, we are contemplating higher charges, we're working our way up the food chain, I know it seems slow, but be patient. And what they actually came out with this past week was charging a kind of whole layer of leaders of the Oath Keepers with seditious conspiracy, which is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It's plotting to overthrow or violently usurp the government of the United States, carries like a you know minimum 20-year sentence, fun stuff like that. And 
it has been historically a very hard charge to make stick. They've tried it against neo-Nazi groups and things like that. And it usually falls apart on the, yes, they were saying that kind of thing, but saying that kind of thing is not equivalent to doing it. Now, when you actually storm the Capitol and you have tons of seized communication where you're talking about stockpiling weapons and having runners available to go out and get them if you need them later, <laughs> your case becomes easier. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the charges are, are fairly serious. Like, this is real jail time. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> I mean, depending on how old you are, that's probably effectively a life sentence if you get the... Jesus. I, uh, I noticed the guy looks like an evil Bond villain, too. At least one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could picture him, like, slowly stroking a cat in a volcano layer. He, and he's, he's got the eye patch on, a little bit balding. He's just very ominous in this sort of like James Bond over the top supervillain sort of way. It's, it's exactly basically what I expected. Well, that should help with juries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I man. The kind of like ongoing significance of this is that if they work their way further up, then they can possibly extend the sedition charges to people who are participating in the command center, mm -hmm. which is potentially possibly some members of Congress, definitely some Trump aides and current and former administration officials. All right. Um, how many of those guys were charged with this? Uh, hang on, I had, if it wasn't zapped by the power outage, I did have the story up. There's 10, um, so the founder of the group and then an additional 10 members. Okay, that's, that's a pretty big case. It's a big haul, yeah. Yeah. Um, Dan, how likely do you think it is that there's actually a conviction there? It seems like a pretty strong case to me. I mean, I don't think, I mean, this is the most serious of the charges so far, and I don't think they would be bringing it again. This is, these are prosecutors that don't go bring these charges willy-nilly, so I don't think they'd be bringing it unless they were fairly sure that they could make it stick. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the stuff that they've cited they've in the documents is pretty, yeah. pretty serious, and we can assume they didn't give away every piece of evidence they had in the charging documents. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else you guys want to want to mention? Anything going on up in your way, Chris? Um, let's see. Our legislature's back in session. I don't think there's anything terribly controversial at the moment. We are having some kind of continued ongoing grousing about how our governor, who used to be very good on COVID, has now become much more laissez-faire, you know, precisely mm. when things have gotten as difficult as they've ever been. Let me ask you a, kind of a weird question about Vermont that has nothing to do with the political situation, but looking at the New York redistricting maps, um, you guys have like a little wang hanging off the side of your state into into New York. It's 
directly west of Rutland, Vermont. Do you know what's up with that? Why do you guys have that? <laughs> I don't. I can look into that. <laughs> yeah. We'll get back to you. It's just a little, little kind of dangly thing hanging off the side, jutting out into New York and drooping down at a weird angle. I, I just don't really understand it. Doesn't seem like it's road access either. There's no major road that goes through there. In fact, it goes through the bit of New York that sticks up into Vermont in exchange for that little piece. Yeah. Okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> Dan, anything with you? Uh, can't think of much a whole lot. I mean, the uh, replacement process for Erickson has been delayed slightly. Uh, legislature's in session. Not a lot of movement, though, in any of that front yet. So, we're it's underway, but moving slow. All right. Um, I do see that there's a, uh, a bill up by Inslee, or requested by Inslee now in the state legislature up there in Washington, Senate Bill 5843, that would make it a crime to lie about election results if those lies lead to violence. Oh. That, hey, I hadn't. I have no idea how that passes First Amendment muster. The yeah, legality of your speech depends on somebody else's actions completely separate from them. It's not any sort of... That seems like a terrible idea. I just, I just want to say that. The Facebook is illegal, Bill. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. I had not seen that. Okay. Yeah, it would make it a gross misdemeanor with a fine of $5,000 and confinement in a county jail for up to 364 days. Huh. So yeah. I, I guess I guess it would be really contingent on the whole violent incitement sort of thing. You'd have to prove, I assume, that, yeah, somebody went to the Capitol and, yeah, did yeah. something. Violent. So uh, I'm, I'm reading the actual bill. Let me... Find this an elected official or candidate who has filed for public office under chapter 29a.24 rcw and who knowingly makes false statements or claims regarding the election process or election results which statements or claims are made for the purposes of undermining the election process or election results and are directed to inciting or producing lawless eminent lawless action and such statements or claims produce such action Related to any election conducted in the state is guilty of a gross misdemeanor punishment under blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, I just, I, I, I can see Popat tearing out his hair right now. Probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely been a thing. I mean, well, the, the Capitol itself, uh, I think his opponent from 2020, Lauren Culp, I don't, I believe he still has not conceded. <laughs> so there's that. Oh so man, that's got to be annoying. <laughs> but, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Oh, uh, also, there's a further section that would remove that person from office uh, upon their conviction. Oh, so yeah, I guess you know legislators that uh, yeah go ahead and do the big lie and you know end up. You know, inciting people to, you know, do mm -hmm. big lie things. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Uh, I, I admire the intent, but there's no way that that passes First Amendment muster. 
Yeah, I would expect that would be challenged pretty thoroughly. That's the difficulty. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, have a good week and have a good holiday. I I hope you. What do you really do to commemorate Martin Luther King Day? No. So I didn't have it off as a day off of school when I was a kid, but they did show like Martin Luther King Jr. like classwork that day. It became a day to like study about him. And then when we moved up to Alaska, I did start getting it off. I remember that. That was a no school day. Mm-hmm. Alaska. Post on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> Campaign yeah. for Stacey Abrams. Yeah, there yeah. you go. There's a good one. Send hate mail to Joe Manchin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's definitely good. It'll make you feel a little bit better, I promise. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good week. All right. You too.